Uh, we are in the end time series. Um, this is week three. Uh, this is a series of uh, how to guide to not fear the unknown. And looking at Second uh, Timothy chapter three uh, for our text and studying through to look through and put uh, the way we see scripture through the Bible. Uh, leading us in the end times and teaching us about all things. And there are some uh, unknown things about the end times that we don't know. That's kind of a, uh, Paul says some places in the New Testament, he calls it a mystery, that there's mysteries. And if he's got mysteries and he helped write <laughs> most of the New Testament as far as the epistles, if he had mysteries, you're going to have mysteries. There's some things you won't know, and that's okay. It's okay, and we just need not fear those unknowns, but accept that Jesus and his heavenly Father will be our guide and will help us along our journey, and it's going to be okay. Amen? Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3. But know this, that in the last day perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captive gullible women loaded down with sins, led astray by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do also these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, the purpose, the faith, Long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from a childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. God, we pray that it will be manifest in our heart, in our minds, and all parts of our being. Help it to apply to our lives, to live godly in this present world, but to be prepared also for what is to come tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says, Amen. Amen. So as we... Think about these end time events 
and go through scripture and looking towards the end time events, we have taught in this series in week one of how to be prepared. And how to be prepared for what? That uh, the next thing on the calendar as far as biblical events that will happen is going to be a rapture of the church or a catching away of the church. That's in uh, the book of uh, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica and told them that there would be a catching away. It's chapter 4, verse 17. And he told them that there would be a catching away of the church and the church would go into the clouds to be with Jesus the way Jesus left this world. So we paired that along with in Thessalonians 2. Uh, there's scripture in Revelation where uh, John, the revelator, said that he was caught up and went up into heaven and seen the vision of Revelation. Uh, and we see, and we know the end time event. If you're talking about end times, you have to account for Revelation, the book of Revelation, because it was the revelation God gave to John. And he was raptured up. And then also in 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul, the apostle Paul, taught about that he was raptured up or taken up into the third heaven and saw things. And God gave him visions. But also we paired that along with Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2 where that we see that Jesus leaving this world it was taken up in a cloud and as they were standing there, the disciples were standing with him. The angels in heaven looked down and told the men of Galilee, Why stand you here gazing among, up into heaven? This same Jesus which was taken from you will also come to receive you unto himself in like manner. So Jesus is coming on a cloud. It's going to happen. It's the next event that will take place on the calendar of time. Um, we're still living and we're still dwelling and we're still occupying until he comes, but we're waiting on that event, the rapture of the church. And we need to be prepared for that. And the way to prepare for that is to live a godly life in this present world, to live our lives according to Scripture. And one thing I need to say and I want us to know is that Christians should be the moral code for society. Amen? Amen. As a Christian life, if you're living a Christian life, you should be the moral compass for the rest of society to live by. We should have high standards. We should have high morals. We should have high ethics that we hold ourselves accountable to God and His Word at a greater rate than what society does. That if the world wants to look, what would it be like to live a godly life? They need to look to Christians. And they need to see some Christians that's living out the faith that they read. And that's what you need to do, and I need to do, and everybody in this room needs to do. If we're claiming to be a Christian, be a good one. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, be a good one. <laughs> be the best you can be. Because I'm not telling you to be perfect, because you're never going to be that. I know they write songs about being perfect and all that stuff, but it's not going to happen. It's... You're, you're not going to be perfect. There was only one perfect according to the Bible, and that one which was perfect came, and they crucified him on a cross because he was too good for them. They couldn't accept the reality of a perfect life. That was the most religious people in society at that time, crucified him on a cross, had him hung for their sins, and they didn't even know it. But we need to be prepared, so if we want to prepare, how are we going to do that? We're going to give our life to Jesus, we're going to live a godly life, and we're going to try our best. Paul said he strived for perfection. He, he, he had a goal. He set himself towards a goal, and he, he strived for that perfection of the cross of Jesus Christ. We need to do the same. Be prepared for the rapture. Because if the rapture happens, and when it happens, not if it happens, it's when it happens. Amen? Amen. 
You better be prepared because you want to go then. Because what we talked about last week was that there's going to be a tribulation. That in Revelation chapter 7 verse 14 it says that there's going to be a great tribulation. And we looked at that and, and bought into that. That there's going to be a tribulation because scripture teaches it. And in that scripture, we need to pair that along with other scripture, right? Not make a doctrine from one statement. We went back in Daniel chapter 12, and you can see in Daniel chapter 12 that he gives two periods of time in that tribulation, about three and a half years or thereabout, that there's going to be that tribulation broken up in two separate parts. And we talked about last week how that uh, in that event we need to know how to study. Amen? If we want to know about the end times, we've got to study. It's not just going to come and just automatically appear. We've got to study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing more than the truth. We said that. It's in Timothy, chapter 2, verse 15, I believe. So if we're going to know end times, we've got to study. Amen? We need to be prepared, and we need to study. So looking through that, that now we know rapture of the church. And I pulled some teenagers out and set them up front here. They was raptured out. Everybody else got left behind. Scary. The world we live in is a scary enough place with Christians in it. Amen? With people praying in it. With people asking God and praying to God for health and for their neighbors and for peace and for all these things that we pray on a daily basis. It calls, has an effect on the outcome of our life. Prayer changes things. But whenever we go into that tribulation phase, there will be no prayers from the saints because there's no saints left on the earth. So most statistics today teach us that uh, basically that there's about 1. so 1.2 billion people that's Christian on the earth. There's over 7 billion people here. So that means the rapture happens. 1 billion people is going to go to heaven with Jesus and there's 6 billion people hanging out here. None of them praying. None of them knowing the word of God. How scary is that going to be? You don't want to be here for that. <laughs> Amen? You don't want to hang out for that and say, well, I thought I was prepared and I thought I tried my best and I thought I did. You've you got to have your sins under the blood of Jesus to go into rapture. It's as simple as that. And that's on a daily basis. Because you said a sinner's prayer 30 years ago, and was baptized in water doesn't mean you're saved the rest of your life and you don't have to live any certain way. Amen? We've got to live, continue to live in this thing and continue to wake up every morning and thank God for waking you up and say, Father, forgive me for my sins for yesterday, for last week, for last month, for last year because I'm a sinner. Paul said, I'm a chief among sinners. If he was a sinner writing the Bible, you and I have some sins we need to account for. Amen? That we put under the blood of Jesus. Salvation will happen and you'll be prepared. But as we study those things, and it is kind of scary to think about a world in where that six billion people are going to be left behind. Six billion people not knowing, no pastors to go ask. Think about that. No church to attend. No children's church to teach their kids. It's a sad face of reality of what time is going to be. So if we see that and know that's going to be that way, we got to study and we need to tell our neighbors. We need to tell our friends. 
We need to let them know. We want them to be prepared to go into rapture first off. Amen? Jesus even said, pray for your enemies. So maybe you got some enemies. Maybe you got some people you don't like very much, and you don't want to hang out with them, and you don't want to spend time with them, but you need to pray for them, and then you need to teach them these things because it tells us all through the New Testament. If somebody is doing these things to you, go to them, admonish them, uh, teach them the truth. There's some things we need to step out of our comfort zone and live in our own little life and go do what God wants us to do because he cares as much about that enemy of yours as he does you. Amen? He wants you to be a gospel witness. Amen. So rapture happens, we pull people out. Then we broke in two camps. So this side last week was the side that was left behind in the first three and a half years. They're going through all kinds of uh, different things. And it says here in our verse that we read, in the, in the end times, uh, perilous times will come. Perilous times means trouble sometimes. There's some trouble. We, we got trouble today. How many's got troubles? Amen. Oh, I guess the rest of you, your checkbook just automatically fills up and just, you don't have to go to work or nothing. Just, it just rolls in, you know, just like a, like a rolling tide just keeps coming. I, don't work that way for me. It's a troublesome time just to keep afloat in today's culture. Amen? Just to stay afloat. So there's troublesome times already in the event of no church, no Christians praying, no God of blessing on the nations of the world. It's going to be troublesome times, perilous times, and they're going to face some troubles. And it's going to be bad. It's not going to be the ideal situation. But that isn't the worst. And last week, whenever I brought the teenagers up and set them up here, I asked them one by one, do you want to go to heaven? Every teenager here, they said, yeah, I want to go. <laughs> I want to go to heaven. I don't want to stay here for that. But just some of the stuff you're talking about, pulled them up here and set them down. Every one of them wanted to sit. They wanted to go to heaven. Well, at the end of the sermon, I'm teaching them about how to study, how to prepare. And then uh, the whole point is how to not fear and then Dusty and Albie takes them to a youth group camp, which the title of the message up there is Fearless. To live fearless and fear less. But whenever you hear messages about end times, it automatically brings that unknown of, uh-oh, e. I don't want to go through that. And we start begin the anxiety and fear sets in because of the unknowns, Right? So the teenagers last week went to camp, and the first day in camp, Dusty and Albie asked them about what they was afraid of, and a lot of them wrote down on their paper, I'm afraid of end times. Because their goofy pastor told them about it before they went to camp. <laughs> Amen. Just like us, we go home as adults. Kids, you're not alone. We go home as adults, and because pastor's preaching about end times, and it's, it's on our mind, and we begin to study a little bit more, and, and I'm sure Greg's looked up a few more verses here lately about end times and digging into it a little bit. Val takes notes every week, and she's looking, and I, I see her, and whenever I see her writing and looking back up and down two or three times, I'll repeat the verse I said because she didn't catch it quick enough. That's the way it ought to be. So, studying, but fear sets in when you talk about end times. But we know we want to go in a rapture, and we know the people that's left behind that first three and a half years is going to have some hard times. Look over at that, look over at this bunch. Look over here at them. Just scream at them a little bit and say, you're getting ready to face 
a lot worse than what we faced. Amen? You guys are going to face worse than what they face. You're just symbolic. I want all of you to go to heaven. I'm not, I'm not telling all of you to stay here. It's a symbol thing, right? We're trying to give some numbers here, some stats, so you kind of figure what's going on. So three and a half years, bad times. No Christians. Some people find Bibles. Some people begin to read Bibles. Some people even profess faith in Jesus. And some people are saved. Some people are beheaded for their faith. It's going to be bad times. Think about a world right now that you live in where God is in control. How many believes God's in control? He's in control. When he pulls his church out, he's pulling his Holy Spirit out. And when he does that, he leaves the enemy of all mankind. There's the earth. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad times. And even with him in control the first three and a half years, because he's sly, amen, old Slewfoot the devil, what a lot of old preachers called him, old Slewfoot, the enemy of our souls, says in Revelation, he does bad things to people, but he tries to soothe them into believing his lies. And the first three and a half years are going to be bad. But then at the midpoint in between there is whenever the son of perdition is revealed, that Jesus talks about. It's the Antichrist. So the Antichrist is revealed. Now he's in charge of the world on the world stage, and everybody knows it. So there won't be presidents of individual countries. There won't be governors or, or chairmen or any of that type of stuff. The devil himself, through the Antichrist, controls the world by his own hand. Scary. And once he's revealed... This half is going to get worse. Because now he's revealed himself for who he is. And now he says, you can't buy or sell. You can't do anything you want to do. You're under my dominion and my power, and I make every decision for your life. Scary. I don't know about you, but I'm scared myself. I'm kind of freaked out by that a little bit. I don't want to go through that. So how do, I, how do I not go through that? Prepare for the rapture. Go in the first call. Don't wait for all that mess to happen. So if you read in Revelation, you'll see that there's all kinds of things happens in this second three and a half year period. That, that it, it talks about symbolic things of bowls and, and horses and all these plagues and things going on in the world. And it's scary stuff. You can read in Revelations chapter 5 through about 14 will be a good read uh, going towards next week. And you'll, you'll see kindly some of these things. And fear sets in when we look at them and we read them and it's like, I don't know and I don't understand and there's so many unknowns and I don't know how to read Revelations, Pastor. You've went through Bible training. You, you're reading it from your way of looking at it and you've been taught how to read it. I, I don't know. But I want to tell you this. The best way I know how to read Revelation, and this is the way I do it, it was written by John the Revelator. 2,000 years ago, and he was a prisoner of war on the Isle of Patmos. He was making little rocks out of big rocks all day, according to the Bluegrass song. <laughs> Any Bluegrass fans? Yeah. That's what he was doing. He's busting up rocks on the Isle of Patmos for Roman roads. That's what they was doing. 
And he was sitting in there and he was caught up into the heaven and God raptured him up and showed him the end times and said, write it down. Make this stuff plain on tablets that men would run with it. And he told him to write these things down. Take memory of this, John. It's important. And John up there looking down and seeing a video, uh, basically like a movie of all of time, and he sees it play out, the end times, right before his eyes. And he's writing things down from his perspective. So think about this. A guy 2,000 years ago sees a video of what's going to happen in the end times, and we know that wars and rumors of wars, and Jesus taught about all that, and earthquakes and diverse places, and we studied stuff like this. But John is picturing this and seeing this with his eyes, and he's got to write it down and make it plain for you to understand. So if he saw, Jason, an army of tanks coming across the Middle East heading for Jerusalem, what's he going to write about? He don't know what a tank is. He, there's been no industrial revolution. There's not a bunch of metal around everywhere. They're doing good to plow together something and barely get a mirror. And here he is seeing these things. So he writes about horses. And he writes about stingers and scorpions. That could be planes. He, he's got all kinds of terminology he's using of what he knows to write about. So whenever you're reading Revelations, read it from that perspective. Look at it from John's point of view 2,000 years ago without all the technology that you have. Amen. And don't get so caught up in it that, that you think, oh, no, I can't understand that because if God revealed it to John, he'll reveal it to you. Amen. He don't want to. It, he didn't say this is the unrevelation, <laughs> did he? He said the book of Revelation. He wants to reveal himself to you to make it known what the end times is. And yeah, there'll be some unknowns, but he's painting a pretty clear picture of what's going to happen. Amen. And fear sets in when we talk about these things. I know it does. It does for me. It causes me to live a little closer life to God when I'm hearing about the end times and God's showing me what to preach. It, it kind of freaks me out a little bit too. So here I am standing before you today telling you, you got to be prepared. For the rapture you don't want to go through the tribulation because those are people studying through the tribulation is going to have a hard time we have a hard enough time today the bible even says in daniel chapter 12 the verse i told you the chapter i told you to go read when you're looking at uh, that is it tells you that in the last days that their knowledge will increase knowledge will increase it's daniel chapter 12 knowledge will increase how many believes there's more knowledge today than there was 100 years ago? Amen? There's a lot more information. I can tell Siri on my phone to look up the term rapture and tell me what it means, and it'll read it off to me. They didn't have that 100 years ago. They didn't have that 50 years ago. They didn't have that 30 years ago. When I was in school, we didn't have that privilege. Kids today, they can just ask a question to their phone, and it tells them the answer. How many of you would like to have that in school? Amen? That would have been awesome, wouldn't it? Knowledge has increased. There's more available ever in the history of time. And they've talked about, and you, you can read stuff on uh, how computers are, are doubling their amount of memory in, in, in as little as a day now, where it used to take five years or ten years for a computer to be twice as fast as it was before. It's crazy, the amount of knowledge that's increasing. But because knowledge is accessible, does that mean the people are smarter? No. 
Paul said in the last days, they'll be ever learning and never coming to the truth. It's true for me. Dad tells us all the time, you know, he, he makes fun. He says, ask Google. He don't even know what Google means. He don't even have a phone. Oh, he got a house phone, but not a cell phone. That's his video game is how quick to hit end whenever somebody calls. He just cancel it out. That's Dad's video game. But he talks about how everybody, you know, ask a question. You go up there and you say something and you're sitting at his house. He don't have internet. There's no Wi-Fi and there's no AT&T service or Verizon or anything else sitting up the head of the holler. And he'll say, Google it. Making fun, really, because you, you can't Google nothing there. Because he says out on the job, everybody he would talk to out on the job when he was still working, he'd tell his kids to do this, do that, or what about this, and ask them a question, and they'd get on their phone real fast and Google it, and they'd tell him the answer. The next day, he'd say, now, what was that answer? They didn't remember it. Because we got more knowledge, don't mean we're smarter. Actually, it makes me a lot dumber. Can anybody say amen? Is there anybody else in here but me? Am I the only one? I'm dumber than I was 30 years ago. If you don't believe me, I used to remember people's phone numbers. How many's had to remember people's phone numbers? Back wherever you had a rotary dial. Dial people's numbers. You remembered everybody's phone numbers. You didn't go look at the phone book every time you called grandma. You remembered her number. Now, all you do, hey, call grandma. It does it for you. And then you ask your grandkid, what's your grandma's number? Uh, call grandma. <laughs> We're dumber than we ever was with more knowledge. And think about this. What if we look at end times, how much smarter should the church be today about end times with this amount of knowledge that we got and this power of knowledge that we got than we was 100 years ago? I believe 100 years ago the church was farther along than we are today. Amen? That they knew more. Why? Because they studied it. They had to dig in. They had to learn these things. And I'm standing on their shoulders today. I couldn't figure this stuff out without commentaries and reading and, and studying the scriptures and trying to know what to tell you guys about the end times. Amen. I'm standing on my forefathers' shoulders today explaining to you some things that's been explained to me. There's going to be tribulation. And it's going to be bad times. And when the son of perdition is revealed, there's things in Revelation that it talks about. There's one place that says in one swoop of his authority, he will wipe out a third of mankind. If there's six billion people left on the planet when the rapture takes place, and there'll be several of them killed during that first part of the tribulation, first three and a half years, the second part of the three and a half, and then he's going to wipe out a third of them with one command. Two billion people perishing in an instant. That could happen today with one fell button. Couldn't it? John saw it, and it happened. He's trying to explain it in terms that he knows. We know that that's nuclear power. Atomic warfare, don't we? He didn't know. He's explaining it in a way, but a third of mankind will be wiped off the planet in an instant by one decision, by one man, the Antichrist. Scary. But I'm not telling you these things to scare you. I'm telling you these things so you'll know your faith. 
because I want you to know the future enough to avoid that. Amen? I don't want anybody in this room to live through the tribulation under the Antichrist's rule. I would rather you be in heaven with me. Amen? Amen. Living under a godly kingdom, under a father that loves you, a father that cherishes you, a father that will pour out and you'll be able to bow down at his altars and all the things that Revelations talks about and cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven will be better than hell, I promise you. Live for it. Don't be afraid of tomorrow. Don't be afraid of the unknown. Don't be afraid of the end times. Have faith to believe. And my one thing I want to do for you today in four minutes' time I got left in this sermon series now that I've recapped two first two weeks is I want you to write this verse down if you're taking notes. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Isaiah 41, 10. So basically today you got a 26-minute review and a four-minute sermon. Everybody say, I love four-minute sermons. Amen. This is awesome. We're digging in, ain't we? So we know about the tribulation. We've already talked about it enough, I think. And it's leading into this sermon today, what I want you to do. I want you to know about that second phase of the end times of the tribulation so that you're aware of it. I don't want you to be unaware. I want you aware. Isaiah 41.10. This is my favorite verse when talking about fear. Because I know there's people in this room that has anxieties. Amen. There's people in this room that deals with fear. Amen. That our minds run away from us, and sometimes we think thoughts that we don't even want to think. Amen. Amen. It just, there's too much, and the load on my shoulders feels too heavy, and I don't know what to do. And what's my favorite verse on fear? This is it. This is your pastor's favorite verse on fear. Verse 10. Fear not. Pretty good verse, isn't it? So I want to put that in modern-day English terms. In, well, let's put it in Lewis County English terms. Modern-day English terms would say, don't fear. And they used to make shirts on this topic all the time for Lewis County, and so we'd know what to do. Ain't scared. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Somebody asked me about the end times, and what do you think about this, and what do you think about the tribulation, and what's it going to be like when you're going through all this and that, and Antichrist, and 666, and 144,000, and I just ain't scared. They'll be like, what? How are you not scared? Oh, no. Why? I'm not living through that. You can stay if you want. Amen. I'm going on. I'd rather fly in the, in the cloud and go to be with he- Jesus in heaven forever than stay here on this earth for all that tribulation. You can mess with that junk if you want to. I ain't scared. Amen? Amen. If you're living a righteous life, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying I'm trying, striving, and I'm trying, and I'm doing the best I can. Fear not. Ain't scared. Why? Jesus answers us in this verse. For I'm with you. Why ain't I scared? Because God's with me. See, everybody, time somebody gets sick or has something go on, God's got this. Got hashtags, God's got this. 
We say it in the midst of those fears because we know if we state those kind of things that God's got it, it isn't me that has to get this, it's God that's got this, then we got the power to do and accomplish the things we need to accomplish, amen? We got the healer that if I'm going through sickness and I'm facing something in my body, guess what I got to do? In Jesus' name, I'm claiming the blood of Jesus and the stripes on his back of Calvary for my healing because it says in Isaiah that I can have that. Isaiah 53, 5, if you want to know where that's at about healing. I ain't scared, because he says, because I'm with you. Be not dismayed. Anybody ever been lost? Anybody ever get lost with Google? Anybody ever get lost even when you're letting the map guide you on the phone? I ended up in the head of a holler down in Perry County, Kentucky, one time in a service truck, and I didn't know if I was going to get out of there, Jason. It was bad. I was driving up a gravel road in a down in the creek, and it was telling me I was heading towards town. It didn't look like I was heading towards town. More like the movie Deliverance or something. That's dismayed, it's disoriented. It's, I, I don't know where I'm going. When you're in that instance, why would you not be dismayed? I'm not lost. Why? Why am I not lost? For I'm your God. Amen. If he's your God, he's your guide. Amen? And if he's your guide, that means he's your Garmin. He's your Tom-Tom. He's your decision maker when you don't know where to go. When you're sitting at an intersection and I've never been here before and I've never been this way before and I don't know all my surroundings and I've never even looked at this or don't even know what to think, then he can say, turn left, Clyde, or turn right, Clyde, or go straight, Clyde. Go where I'm telling you to go. That's God is your guide. He said, I'll leave you. I'll go prepare a place for you, Jesus said in John 14, but I'll come and receive you to myself because I'll show you and I'm leaving you with a comforter, a guide. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. The rest of the verse quickly. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is God talking to you. This is God's verse for Bethesda today. If you are having anxiety, if you are having fear, if you are thinking about your future and you don't know what to do and it seems like the world's crashing in around you and you don't understand and you can't figure it out, stop thinking for yourself and say, I'm not going to fear anymore. I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Why? Because God's with me. I'm not going to be dismayed. I'm not going to be lost. And I'm not going to be wandering through life like I'm going through a wilderness and don't know where I'm going because i got a guide. He's our strong tower. He's our fortress. He's our helper. He's everything you need. He will strengthen you and he'll help you and he'll uphold you with the right hand of his righteousness. Think about that. When you're about to fall down, he's picking you up. And whatever you're facing today in this room, I'm here to tell you, your Heavenly Father is reaching down right now. He's saying, I'm holding you up. You're going through some things and you don't even know how you're even walking or talking or even functioning in society and you're wondering how you're getting through this stuff that you're going through. He's saying, because I'm holding you. Is there anybody in this room that can say, God is my helper? He's the one that's holding me up. I'm getting through this mess. Why? Because God is with me.
And that's enough. I don't need anything else when I got God. Stand, let's pray. In times may scare others, but we're walking in faith in this room today. I'm believing with you guys that you are going to be prepared, that you're studying, and that you're not going to be scared. If you bow your head and close your eyes, if you will. Everybody in the room, bow your head, close your eyes. I want to ask you a very simple question. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never committed your life to Him, if you've never asked Him to be the Lord of your life, if you've never said, Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and you're in this place today, today would be a real good day to be prepared for that rapture. So I want to ask you just very simply, if you've never had that connection and had that moment where that you accepted the Lord to be your Savior. Or maybe you have before and you've walked away from Him and you're not prepared right now and you know it. You know if that rapture happened at this moment that you'd be left behind and you don't want to be left behind. You're ready to be prepared. Anybody that wants to say, I want to be prepared. I want to walk with Jesus and I want to go in the rapture. I want you to raise your hand. Anybody? Amen. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? I want to be prepared. Amen. Thank you for those hands. And the second request I'm going to ask of you today in our church, I want you to be honest. If you've had some fears and you've been having some anxiety and you've been struggling, and you're ready to give all that up and just walk in faith in Jesus Christ and say, I'm tired of being afraid. And I want some peace. I want you to raise your hand. I'm tired of living scared. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Anybody else? I'm tired of being afraid. I want to walk in faith. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want everybody in this room to pray with me because we're all praying together. Bethesda is a church where we're united and we're in this thing together. I want everybody here to pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me for my sins, for my faults, and for my failures. Help me to live this life without fear with faith that I'll trust in you and I'll walk a righteous path to live with you forever in heaven in Jesus name I pray and everyone says amen